0: From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now, or learn the stuff they don't want you to know.
1: Awake, for morning in the bowl of night has flung the stone that puts the stars to flight, and lo, the hunter of the east has caught the sultan's turret in a noose of light. Dreaming when dawn's left hand was in the sky, I heard a voice within the tavern cry, Awake, my little ones, and fill the cup before life's liquor in its cup be dry. And as the cock crew, those who stood before the tavern, shouted, Open then the door, you know how little while we have to stay, And once departed, may return no more.
2: Wow, that was that was
1: different. What did what was, what was that from, Ben? Uh yeah, we did not write that. That is from something called the Rubiats, which will uh specifically the English translation by a guy named Fitzgerald, which will become important, we promise, as this episode proceeds. But first, Matt, who the heck are we? What are we doing here? <laughs> oh well my name is Matt. <laughs> oh, I spoilers. Uh yeah. <laughs> I am Ben, uh, we're here, of course, as always, with the, uh, the third of our Musketeers, the, the numero trace of our three amigos, our super producer, Noel the Aussie Brown. Hey, (laughs) Noel. I was wondering, you know, I, I think, I don't think Aussie is a, is a derogatory term at all. Uh, but I was wondering if we should have gone with Foster's. Because the the Foster's beer commercials were quite popular here in the U.S. for a long time.
2: Oh yeah, yeah,
1: I remember those.
2: I have fond memories of those. I think I remember them around the time that I started to be able to drink. Uh huh. And then I remember trying one and thinking, okay,
1: that's a beer. <laughs> you weren't bowled over. You weren't impressed. I I don't know. Maybe that's just maybe that's just me. Well, maybe it's like Guinness too. You know the. Stories that the Guinness here in the U.S. is garbage in comparison to the Guinness brewed in, in the Ireland and the, uh, those areas. Well, it's also a, a from.
2: yeah, yeah. It's also a, a sense memory. Taste can be
1: a sense memory uh, oh, almost sure. as strongly as oil factory or smells, but you know. I think, I think that's such an interesting point. Uh, there's a study that I cannot remember and it has nothing to do with this episode really, but there's a study that uh, you should Dig up and toss at your wine snob friends. Okay. Which is that when people are uh, influenced by the environment or the context of a taste, uh, then it affects their perception of the taste, not not just psychologically. Their brain reacts differently.
2: Yes, also by a person that they perceive as someone of authority.
1: Sure, yeah. So a sommelier telling you that yes.
2: this terrible wine is mm-hmm. just amazing. Yeah.
1: Right, so yeah, here's the way the experiment worked uh the The people conducting the experiment took several different kinds of wine, variety of ages, variety of cost, variety of perceived quality i mm-hmm. guess and the uh they pour, they would uh have somebody come out and if i'm if I'm remembering this correctly, they would pour uh some of the two buck chuck or whatever, which is not a I'm not a bad wine I'm not a wine guy, but they would pour some sort of box wine into. This decanter and like carefully, carefully poured in mm-hmm. front of the person while someone is describing authoritatively and with lustrous language, the, the different, um,
0: the qualifications,
1: flavors, the, yeah. the, the bouquet, the pedigree. Mm-hmm. And then they would have another very, very, um, very fine wine cons- or at least considered as such. Uh, and they would serve that and they would go, okay, well, this is just some stuff we got off the shelf. Uh it's which just is true like a moderately priced wine um <laughs> you know just what what do you think how could you describe the flavors and then they would switch it around and people consistently found these amazing flavors in wine that they were told was very important uh i advanced to you that in many cases ladies and gentlemen the old story is true the emperor has no clothes and everybody just wants to be cool and <laughs> be an expert of some sort.
2: Including us at some
1: Well, you know, there's probably, I'm such a, I'm, I'm such a Philistine that I probably wouldn't understand or appreciate wine at all. No worries, man. Uh, many of us, well, you and
2: I, I guess don't, so.
1: I eh. No, I, I'll try, I'll try wine, but, I, and also I do, just in in the defense of all the people who might be training to be small yeas, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a big part of our audience base but in their defense there clearly is an ability to differentiate and and they're oh, clearly yeah. different tastes the the point of that experiment is just how easily people are swayed right true for how true. much people love solving things
2: huh solving everything from is this wine of x quality or
1: maybe perhaps oh hey why why is that guy dead? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are doing this this week, uh, and for maybe a couple more episodes, we're going to be looking at some of the most prominent unsolved cases, unsolved crimes in history. So Matt, can you set the scene for this one? Oh, sure. Well, first of
2: all, we're not going to cover some of the ones you may be thinking of, uh, Jack the Ripper. Right. Zodiac so, Killer. Yeah. We're, we're not going to jump into that stuff yet. We, we might one day. That's those are separate things that we could
1: cover i know history class has covered jack the ripper pretty well yeah i think stuff you should know definitely did mm-hmm. we, we've we got those you can check out in the meantime but what we want to do is um at least especially with serial killers we have some other things up our sleeve so <laughs> although we won't cover many serial killer cases in this episode uh just act surprised later yeah, Spoiler yeah. Alert, right <laughs> uh, so what surprise. what will we do
2: so today we're going to look at one of the crimes that we looked at in the video that came out this mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. And uh then we might, I don't know, we might do a couple more in the future. Yeah. Depending on, you know, as long as,
1: are you on board, Noel? Ooh. May I speak? Oh. Whoa. Whoa. whoa,
2: No, no, we're just going to keep going. <laughs> What's of the question in the studio?
1: Yeah, I'm on board. You know
0: I'm on board with whatever you guys got. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> so uh, we're also we're just
2: going to take a quick look at one particular case in this example. And then we're going to look at maybe some developments that have mm-hmm. occurred with the case, because the first one that we're going to talk about happened a while ago.
1: Yes. Yes. And uh, at the end of this episode as well, we have a uh, we have an interesting announcement, just some some background stuff. But uh stay tuned for that. So, yes, this happened a while ago. Specifically, on the 1st of December 1948, people find a body on Australia's Summerton Beach. This is in Adelaide, Australia. I know that my American accent is atrocious.
2: Uh, it's okay. It's going to happen several times to both of us in this episode.
1: And perhaps the only... You know, one of my Australian friends said that they found the American accent grating. Uh, Ooh. But that's just one person. Not not the best sample size. Uh, Would it be idol... Idolite? I don't know. Padelite? I don't know. One time on Car Stuff, a very helpful listener wrote in and said, okay, guys, you're killing me. Here is <laughs> here is a legend, or, you know, an appendix yeah. of how to pronounce the following city names. Oh, wow. But anyhow, Summerton Beach. He's there. He's dead. Mm-hmm. Or I should say it's dead because it's just a body. It's,
2: oh, oh, wow. It's yeah. An
1: object in space now. Right. Especially
2: when a forensic uh, person comes up, they just, okay, this is a body. Mm-hmm. You identify that it's male or female, but mm-hmm. it's just a body.
1: No visible signs of death, no signs of a struggle and no identification.
2: Now, at first, this is just a a case of, oh, wow. Okay. This, this body is here. This man is clearly dead. Um, did he perhaps commit suicide? Was, you know, was this a homicide of some sort? Mm-hmm. They're not finding any, uh, serious problems or let's say wounds that would, that would make an investigator say, okay, that's obviously the, the thing that happened. Sure. And then as they're kind of rummaging through his clothing and his possessions, uh, they find a couple of strange things. They, they find a second class. A second-class rail ticket uh, to another city, to Henley Beach, I believe. Okay. Uh, a ticket that had already been used. Mm-hmm. That, uh, let's see, a, a comb. They found a comb because, you know, sometimes you got to make your hair right. Some juicy fruit chewing gum, a uh, cigarette pack, and let's see. Oh, and some matches because you got to light the cigarettes.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Well, that checks out, but that's not all they found, is it? No.
2: They found a small piece of paper that was hidden in a pocket in his pants, and not like uh, just a pocket that you would usually find. This one was a little more – it was a secret pocket.
1: Yeah, at the very least, it took them a little bit longer to find it. Yes,
2: exactly. They didn't just rummage through and grab it. Well, on this piece of paper, it had two words.
1: Tommen, Tomum Should. Yes, and Tamam Shud, or Taman Shud, uh, you'll hear it spelled T-A-M-A-M, T-A-M-A-N, as in North. This is, uh, this is the final phrase of an English translation by a guy named Edward Fitzgerald. Uh, he, the thing he translated, the actual Rubiyat of Omar Khayyam, is a bunch of poems. It's an anthology of poems. And they're about how you should live life to the fullest, uh, essentially. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that was what you read at the beginning of this episode. Right. That was the very opening of it. Uh, the, the phrase itself means something like the ending finished. Yeah. It is finished. Right. Which is why it goes at the end of, at the end of the thing. So the police not the not the band if you will called they're not around yet but the uh the actual law enforcement of Australia at the time is baffled this kind of thing is finding weird uh finding weird well-dressed corpses in Glenelg South Australia is not what they usually uh what they usually count on.
2: Yeah, it seems cryptic, to say the least, of mm-hmm. just why this piece of paper with this thing on a man who just died that mm-hmm. says it's finished or finished or the end. Mm-hmm. It's strange.
1: Interestingly enough, uh, Glenelg, the the sort of like the beach suburb mm-hmm. of Adelaide where this happened, is the oldest European settlement on mainland South Australia. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, the oldest in general is, is, it's not the oldest in general, but the oldest for South Australia. A lot of history there. I don't think, I don't think that ties in. But, uh, anyhow. Who knows, man? Who knows, man? (laughs) So, yeah, so this, uh, this theme of the Rubyat that you should not, one should not have regrets and do live your life as though you will, uh, die tomorrow. And this is your one chance, you know, uh, no, Second lives, no continues, etc. This got police theorizing, profiling a little bit, and they said, well, this guy maybe committed suicide by poison. But that was their only evidence of it. You know, usually if somebody poisons themselves, you'll see writhing as the body spasms. Sure. And you, know, you
2: can get toxicology reports. Even then you can look through contents mm-hmm. and find something.
1: Right. You can get um you would see vomit and stuff. Mm-hmm the actual death was ruled heart failure however the police also sent out again not the sting band the law enforcement of australia oh, sorry we did a thing on earworms earlier and i have all these it weird stuck. songs stuck in my head yeah so this uh, but anyway point being the the uh, law enforcement had an australia wide announcement where they said we're looking for this book
2: mm-hmm, yeah
1: specific
2: Someone well, tore this out of this book. Mm-hmm. Do you have it?
1: And they found it. Yes, they did find it in a very well, strange way.
2: Allegedly, they found it, right? I mean, they found the book that had this thing torn out. torn out of
1: it, and it appears to match. And it, yeah, Yeah, and it appears to have some other clues that lead us further down the rabbit hole. The thing that is weird to me is apparently there was some guy who just said, Oh, yeah, I have it. I was part... Nearby and then someone threw it in my car. Yeah, someone gave me this book for free. I thought, cool. Don't tell me, uh, like, don't put me in the news or anything. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Yeah. Uh, so the thing is this, this book, when they found this book, it had handwriting showing pencil markings, uh, in the back, right? And they were presumed to be a code of some sort. They were in pencil. Uh, you can see pictures of this everywhere, but it's pretty much, it's, it's pretty much these five lines are a series of letters that might be a cipher, that might be um just acronyms or shorthand. Perhaps. It's tough to know, right? Uh So people have been – people have tried to figure this out ever since it came out. And you can hear people saying that they're closer to cracking the code. We will have some updates on that. Let's fast forward to January next year, 1949, just two months later.
2: So two months later – uh, if, if we're thinking about where we are, I guess on the beach, not far from there is the Adelaide, uh, railway station. Mm-hmm. And at that station, a brown suitcase is discovered. It's, uh, it's just hanging out. They, it's one of those things like nowadays, if this was discovered, there would have been a bomb squad there. Sure. They would have probably blown the thing up or at least sent in uh, some kind of team of police to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, let's see, I think, I don't think it had a label of any sort on it.
1: No, the label had been removed, but they did know when it had been checked in. That's
2: right. It was checked in on the 30th of November, 1948. So,
1: about a day before this guy is discovered dead. Uh, people for various reasons believe the suitcase was owned by the man, the Summerton man. Uh, they found some weird stuff in there. So inside that suitcase there were several
2: things there was uh, a dressing gown some pajamas a shaving kit let's see a screwdriver some another pair of pants that had sand in them apparently mm-hmm. perhaps he was there longer perhaps I don't know maybe he was just liked hanging out on that beach a lot uh some slippers a pair of scissors that were sharpened seemed maybe they were uh-huh. weaponized Couple other things, uh, what else? There was a, a brush, a stenciling brush. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, there, there are a couple other things in there.
1: Right. Well, that's the, the, this is where we get to a very interesting point in the story because of all the things that we name that were found on the man's body when he died, a receipt for the coat check was not one of them. Huh. And the way this stuff works is anyone with the receipt can grab something so it's possible, if not likely, that someone else came in with the receipt and took things from the contents of the bag? I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about, but the truth is it doesn't seem like the receipt was on his body. Yeah, Unless maybe there's one very important thing in there that yeah, got taken. Right. And uh this, there are some updates we can give here, but uh before we get straight into those, I w- let's take it to the present day and then we'll go to a few years ago. Okay. There's a guy named Professor Derek Abbott. He is uh, he is a active researcher, probably the mm, I would say without a doubt the most serious researcher of this case, at least in the public eye. Mm-hmm. Unless the spy thing turns out to be true and the guy has a file on him somewhere in uh, MI6 or, you know, somewhere in the CIA files or something. Mm-hmm. But but where would they have where would they have gotten that that's a different story so with a huge thanks to the work of professor abbott we'd also like to point out to listeners that if you want more information about this case then just check his name and look into some of the stuff he's doing he's still very active on here so let's get to the updates or i guess we should say here's where it gets crazy and recent And recent, yes. Okay, in 2011, ah, wait, let me rewind a little bit. There was another thing found in that copy of the Rubyat, and that was an unlisted phone number, which police tracked down. Mm. So, And and later Dr. Abbott does as well. But, okay, so 2011, an Adelaide woman contacts uh, an anthropologist, a biological anthropologist, about an ID card. That she found in her father's belongings. This card, uh, was the kind of card that the U.S. would give to foreign, uh, semen or S-E-A-M. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't think you were thinking that. I was correcting myself. Anyway, the name on it, uh, is an H.C. Reynolds. Um, hmm. Yeah. And facial experts are looking at the photograph of the Summerton man. You know, uh, the late Somerton man and then this photograph of this Hindenburg thing. And they're saying that due to some distinct features of the ears and the mouth or the teeth, rather, uh, that. They can positively identify the guy, but there are some problems, right? We know uh we know a lot of stuff about this ID card. Well, yeah, the most important thing is that Mr. H.C. Reynolds didn't seem to exist. <laughs> Right. Yeah. They've got the, uh, the date of issuance, February 1918, uh, the 28th, uh, to Mr. Reynolds. He's listed as an 18 year old British man, but searching the U.S. National Archives. What else? The, uh, the, uh, some of the Australian archives and the War Memorial, I believe. Mm hmm. And the UK National Archives turned up nothing but kids.
2: Yeah. Who's this dude?
1: Zero. Yeah. Who was this dude? Uh, well, obviously, H.C. Reynolds is either a name lost to time or a name manufactured rather than owned. So the number that they find in the back of the book, it belongs to a nurse who lived or who used to be a nurse who lived in a place called Mosley Street. And that was about. uh 400 meters maybe 1,300 feet. It was pretty much right next to yeah. where they found this body. And here's her story. She originally said that she was working in Sydney during World War II. She had a copy of the rubiat and at the Clifton Gardens Hotel, she gave it to an Army Lieutenant, Alf Boxall, Uh and, you know, they had been involved, you yes. know, perhaps um romantically so because her phone numbers listed in there right the authorities show her a plaster cast of the Summerton man and she says no no i i don't know him i don't know who that is but people who were there also say that she and by people who were there i mean like medical examiners also say that she refused to look at the body afterwards of the cast she had a palpable reaction um, but she didn't want her name to be out there because she didn't want to be in the public eye.
2: Well, and she had some personal, some personal reasons maybe not to be
1: Absolutely. associated with this guy. Absolutely. Uh, so the police said, okay, that's it. The dead man is Alfie Boxel. All- <laughs> yeah, even though she said, no, it's not him. Right, right. All well and good, except for the fact that he wasn't dead. <laughs> and he shows up later. Uh, they gave, they, and he shows up with his copy of the Rubyat. Yeah. So they gave, um, her in voiceover and stuff like that. They called her Justin based on, uh, the signature following the verse that she had written in the front of the book. Um, this might have been. Like a a pet name, you know, yeah. that happens in relationships. Maybe
2: Justine. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they're styling on it a little.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a lot of t- truth is told in Justin or something. Mm. But, uh, so this, uh, this person has been interviewed, um, and when she was interviewed in 2002, she just didn't want to talk about it. She said her family didn't know about the connection to the case because she was, Married, the people who interviewed her believe that she absolutely knows the identity of the Summerton man at this point. Also, um, apparently she said she was married, but she wasn't. Well, at least they couldn't find a record. They of her couldn't find a record at the time. Mm-hmm. They thought her real name, originally they thought her real name was important because it might be the decryption key oh, yeah, what this guy wrote. And we'll see what Dr. Abbott has to say about that in a moment. Uh, first, let's go back further in time because there's another thing that's really weird that happens uh, years before the Somerton man.
2: So, yeah, three years before this man dies in 1945, a, 30, a 34-year-old guy uh, who hails from Singapore named Joseph Marshall was found in Sydney dead. Now, here's the thing, Ben. He had a copy of the Rubiat, just like uh, this, just like these other people who just happen to have copies
1: of the Rubiat. Because this is, you know, uh, I guess a popular book. Right. Uh, his Deaths Ruled to be a Suicide by Poisoning. But it's funny that you say that about the Rubiat, because we do have to ask if this is only coincidence. It's possible. It, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Rubiat was a very popular book at the time. Mm-hmm. Sales of it skyrocketed. Every Valentine's Day, and people are trying to hook up and they're saying, oh, look how sensitive I am here. Like, (laughs) here's a hey, baby, here's a book that's all about how, you know, you should live life. That's right. I mean, (laughs) let's get some coffee. (laughs) Wow. Uh, And perhaps I'm being a little bit.
2: no, I I Cavalier totally re- – I see that. I saw it in my head, Ben.
1: But it is it, – but it is – you know, I'm saying it is possible. These are unrelated, except when they held an inquest for this guy in 1945, a lady named Gwyneth Dorothy Graham testified and was found dead 13 days later, face down, naked, with her wrist slit. Mm. So this means it does open up the possibility then that uh, – that maybe the rubyat or a specific translation of it could be used as sort of a decoding thing for the spies. Totally. But the problem is that the rubyat this guy had, the rubyat Marshall had, is not the same edition.
2: Ah, and you would
1: generally need it to
2: be the same edition
1: so everything would match up. Right. One would assume, or at least maybe parts of it did match up. So this is where we find uh, several distinct possibilities. It's more or less proven... That there was some sort of relationship between, uh, this person known as Justin and this person known as the Summerton man. It is heavily implied that there could be a possibility of spying and shenanigans. Uh, so I, I guess the question I would ask is before we go on any further, what, what do you think, uh, what do you think, Matt? You think this is a spy thing?
2: It reeks of of behavior of let's say spying, but I I would say maybe they're a part of a different secretive group that maybe isn't even officially a part of some government. Maybe mm-hmm. they are communicating. Maybe they're criminals. Maybe that's how they're communicating, and they were being super serious about it. Maybe somebody in their group had some background hmm with spycraft and they're like we're going to use this ruby this is how we're going to communicate the the thing of writing the codes in the back of the book seems a bit sloppy to me yeah because i'm i'm trying to put myself in that position of this is this is my book of codes right mm-hmm. um i don't want anyone to know it's my book of codes i'm gonna write in the back of it some codes hmm. i don't know
1: i don't know so yeah, uh there's a great thing you can see on Reddit under the Unresolved Mystery Subreddit. Fantastic subreddit. Pretty good read. Uh Professor Abbott is responding to people this is an old thread, but earlier this year he's responding to people about how he believes uh this woman knew who the Somerton man was mm-hmm. and uh and she may have I'm going to quote him here. She may have played a role in removing his identity after the fact. Hmm. So there's a motive, if not evidence, but, uh, still even in this case and, and, you know, I will say this, Dr. Abbott proceeds very, um, very judiciously. You know, mm-hmm. he's not jumping to any, any crazy, um, conclusions just cause they, they would be the cool thing. Yeah. But he did find the real name of the lady I and mean, the real name of Justin. Mm, what was it? J.E. Thompson. Hmm. And he he did some crack investigative work to track this down. Uh, and at this point, you know, you can you can find that information, but. But it all comes back to this, despite all of the excellent research that Professor Abbott has done that uh the original interviewers have done, the fact of the matter is that if she had uh, a child out of wedlock with the Somerton man, then maybe the maybe the guy was trying to visit his kid. Maybe something went south with uh reporting on UK aircraft. That's another theory that a private investigator has. Whatever happened, one of the best shots we have at getting some hard evidence about this guy's identity would be a DNA test to prove whether or not those descendants of the nurse are related to the Somerton man. And to do that, you know, we have to have a, we have to have the body.
2: Yeah, and it, it exists. We know where it is. Right. It's in a cemetery called West Terrace Cemetery in Adelaide. Uh, I mean, it's been there since 1949. Here's the problem. Uh, we, 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 uh, the investigators can't get permission to, to take
1: the corpse out. Or at least they're refusing to do so. Right. And apparently it's a legal minefield to try mm-hmm. to navigate that. Uh, Professor Abbott did say, and this was earlier at the beginning of 2015, that he feels it's inevitable that at some point this, this disinterment will occur. And it's really to, I guess, fill in some missing pieces for the family. Sure. So if we want to get to the speculation here, that's, that's what we know so far. That's like the real, the real deal with a little bit of speculation, but uh the, there's that 60 Minutes interview that I think we might have mentioned when Jessica Thompson or J.E. Thompson, uh, her daughter was interviewed, a lady named Kate Thompson. She says she thinks her mom was a Soviet spy, who may have had a hand in the murder of the Somerton man. So maybe it was a spy situation gone wrong and she had to dose him. Wow. It wasn't isn't
2: there speculation that there was a flower used possibly in his death as poisoning. I haven't heard that one. I think, I mean, look, that's just me rolling around in places that maybe aren't so reputable on the internet, okay. but I, I think there was uh, there was a theory and I apologize. I don't have my computer on me. A theory that there was a flower used that is native to that area hmm. and it's harder to trace, I guess, but it's, it's highly toxic. I don't think it's as toxic Wow, now I'm just speaking from, uh, the depth, Ben. But, uh, yeah. I'm interested. <laughs> but in look it up. This. Check it, check it out on, uh, just search for it. I think, I think on the wiki even there's a, there's a tiny little entry in a picture of the oh,
1: plant. Okay. About the idea that there could be a flower used there. Uh, the, the concept too of Russian spies is we, we know that there have been real Deep cover spies. There are people with multiple names and no real name in the world and have been for decades at the very least. But this does but they're probably much more rare Mm -hmm. than than we believe, or they're much better at not getting caught. Yeah, Uh, we we also have one of those um one of those reports. I think we mentioned. Micro writing, the idea that Mm -hmm. much smaller things could be written inside the loops of stuff. Uh we mentioned that in the video. It comes from a former detective in the UK named Gordon Kramer. And he says parts of this code match with Morse code letters found in World War II radio operator stuff. Uh from that, and you can read his you can read his reports on this, but from this he believes that there may have been a conversation. About a post-war post-war UK uh, aircraft called the Venom X four six two one, and if you look at the Venom four X four six two one, you don't find too much except for the reports about this guy who believes he's discovered it. Oh, uh, okay. But, uh, you, you know, there is a, uh, there is a jet ar- aircraft called the Venom, the de Havilland DH112 Venom. It's, uh, it was sort of the, the stopgap between British, British, uh, jet fighters from the first generation, uh, to the, the later ones like the Hawker Hunter or the Sea Vixen. And it saw service in New Zealand. So it's quite possible, right? Mm-hmm. That they were there. Uh, the, the stuff that they were working on, you know, the, the timing kind of jibes up too. Like, uh, it was introduced in 1952, but first flight 1949, which means okay. they were working on it before then. So it's possible if it's a spy thing. Another weird thing, apparently this guy has ballet feet. I kid you not. Like kind of crunched a little. Yeah, like he had these weird wedge wedge shapes to his feet, yeah. and he had really pronounced calf muscles. So, what if he is uh, a ballet dancer, an illegitimate child, and came back to try to talk to the kid? Had a existing medical condition that resulted in a heart failure. And what if this lady just gave copies of the out to people multiple times? Have you ever given uh, out multiple copies of a book? I have. Yeah, maybe
2: it's her calling card. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the cigarette that
1: he was smoking, like halfway through smoking, right. was yep. laced with something. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but that's, that's kind of tough because so many people smoked and swapped smokes back then. If you laced a cigarette, you'd have to be really close, like, say, in a romantic relationship with them. Well, you also have to be careful not to pollute the other cigarettes. There would almost certainly be other people dying.
2: Well, yeah, but if you have one pack of cigarettes.
1: And you just do the whole pack?
2: I guess. Or maybe do one in his pack. Yeah, that is true. You never know if he gives a cigarette out. Which one's the lucky one? Well, too bad. I missed <laughs> him that time.
1: <laughs> I don't know. You know, that's a, that's a good point, Matt. It could be. But, um, the, the most exciting part of this is that if the professor is right, and I see no reason that he wouldn't be, uh, the, Exhumation of this body will will put us uh, as Chevy Chase's character and community would have said streets ahead in the investigation and maybe even the unraveling of this of this person's identity, mm-hmm. which is something, you know, which is something that any surviving relatives probably deserve to know. Uh, I, I will say that Professor Abbott is continuing now. He had a petition for people to sign. Uh, petitioning the government of Australia to allow for, uh, for the DNA testing or, or getting this body out of the cemetery.
2: Nice.
1: And I believe that he is the forefront of that pursuit. He's the one seriously pursuing it. So, uh, best of luck to you, professor, and to you listeners. If you would like to learn more about this case, then, uh, just check this guy out. He's got a lot of stuff there. There's, there are also a couple of, uh, of good books you can read regarding this. Oh, yeah.
2: Say his name one last time, Ben.
1: His name is Dr. Derek Abbott. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, and uh, one last note. If we could have a sound cue from uh, our super producer here, we're going to take care of just a little bit of housekeeping. I guess as Chuck would call it, right? Yes. So. We have a clarification that we would like to make in our earlier episode on Washington, D.C. We got a lot of great feedback and a lot of very polite feedback, uh, especially from the Masons. Yes, several Mason listeners. So what we need to clarify here is that the house of the temple is only the headquarters of the Scottish Rite organization, not Masonry entire. And I I was very happy to receive this feedback from our listeners who were Masons, and you and I had talked to Matt off the air. We'd love to do a full audio podcast on Masonry uh, just entirely in the future because it seems like, especially because we had some great letters, you know, yeah, I have to say the
2: the letters we got were extremely polite and I am happy to receive letters from those guys at any time about any subject.
1: Sure. Yeah. And uh, doing an episode on masonry, just masonry entire in the future uh, would be something that we're super interested in. So if you whether you are a mason or not, uh, please feel free as, as we're working on doing this, we don't know exactly when we'll get to it, but please feel free to write to us and let us know, uh, some stuff you'd like to see covered. You know, no, no idea is too crazy, but, uh, we will look at them honestly and say if we find <laughs> any evidence or proof, right? Yeah. Uh, so with, uh, that being said, uh, there is, there is one other announcement. Oh, but we can't make it with just the two of us.
2: Oh no, we, we have to call to Noel, so let's do our Noel call together. You ready? Mm-hmm. Let's do it together. Okay.
1: Hey, hey, no. 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 It was really unsettling. <laughs> it works though. It works every time. Yeah, hey,
0: he heard us. It definitely shook me out of my stupor. It's like
1: it, you know. It's it's like the reason they use automated voices on trains and planes. No mm-hmm. one listens to a regular voice say "Step away from the door." That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh well, let's start the way we start all all the time. Okay. How how, how you doing, No? Oh, I'm okay, man.
0: I'm, I'm doing quite
1: well. Just. Busy as always. Mm -hmm, Nice. mm
0: -hmm, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Nice. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We just got back from DC. I know. Yeah. I'm feeling a little suntanned. I mean burned. (laughs) (laughs) Was it, was it, was it sunny? It was like beach, beach weather. Oh, let me tell you about it. It It was was, like
1: swampy. It was malaric. Oh, you know, I don't mean to sound disrespectful to the founding fathers or the generation before us, but (laughs) surely. Surely there was a better place. Of course, we know that D.C. is not the first uh seat of the U.S. Capitol. But come on, man. It, it's a swamp. It's malaric. Yeah, it, it's a, it, it was crazy. It's no wonder the yellow fever was a problem.
2: You you used an analogy of the heat was like a, a giant invisible rubber blanket that just hit you and just yeah. sticks to you and stays on you oh, until yeah. you give
1: up. I still haven't watched all of it off, honestly. That is a very layered metaphor. <laughs> uh, so uh, have you heard of this case before? I had not.
0: It, it reminded me. Have you seen that movie? I think it's called The Snowtown Murders. Also in Adelaide. Yeah. I, I th- at first I thought maybe that's what it was, but I don't think it, it's not the same. But it's a yeah, very interesting by? movie.
1: Yeah, there's some other stuff uh, that went down in that area, too. I think there's a place called The Family. The Snowtown Murders were these... uh these ser- the series of murders with multiple people committing them, and they were putting bodies in barrels. Right? right? Yeah. Oh, very, very upsetting. Yes. Very upsetting film. They're worth
0: watching. It's good. Yeah. And Is it a documentary? No. Well, no. There, yeah. there was a documentary, but then there's also a like a narrative, like a feature that yeah. I think was based on the documentary. Unless I'm
1: totally making that up. Like but, based on a true story yeah. kind of stuff. Yikes. Yeah, and there was uh there were, there were some other things there as well, but. I, I'm excited to hear this is something that listeners have written into us about before, and it sounds like it's closer now than ever before to, I guess, being solved or making headway. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, it's also one of those stories that maybe doesn't matter that much to, like, the, the general public. However, it's one of those things that once you know about it and you know that it's still unsolved, mm-hmm. it just, I mean...
1: The sleuthing, you just oh, comes comes alive. Right, you just gotta know. Like I still, I want to meet the Toynbee Tile guy so bad, yeah. or the people doing it. Um, and I guess you know, there's that old question: is the is the easiest way to meet a group like that to start doing it on your own and get Ooh, in trouble? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. And then I somebody mean, finds I'm, you in Somerton. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna go take a permanent beach beach vacation at all. <laughs> but um, all right, so this announcement is. Uh, it's a personal thing, and you guys let me know if I'm off base for saying it. But we're in pretty jolly spirits here in the studio because a fun piece of trivia, uh, Matt, Noel, and I all have birthdays in a very short span yes, of time. Yes, that's true. I only realized yours,
0: Matt, because Facebook told me. Did it really? It I thought did. I disabled. Man. Told me, man, you can't
1: trust Zuckerberg, man. Uh, so you put a fake one in.
2: Yeah, I do need to put a fake so, one in. So you know who your real <laughs> friends are. Not that's a that, good idea.
1: That, it's a little paranoid, maybe. But, uh, but yeah, so. Uh, oh. Whoa. So yours is today, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Well, okay. That, that's just funny. I think that's
0: 5, 8, 11.
2: Oh.
1: Wait,
0: I don't get Aren't the, you 11? Aren't you yes. the 11 threes? Yes. Yeah. You're yeah. saying it's threes. Oh, it's threes, man! It's just, that's and not, there's three,
1: three of us. threes. Whoa, Whoa nine. Man, just, Number nine. Number much. nine. Just, let me get. Let me get uh, my whiteboard. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the crazy thing that people in our office, especially in the video department, we all have birthday. Not all of us. I Most. think eighty. No, uh, the majority of the people in this <laughs> room. I'm sorry, Math and I are not. The best of friends. Mm -hmm. But, uh, the majority of people in this area where the video department works have birthdays between July, late July and late August.
1: Yeah. Summer of love, man. Telling you. Yeah. All (laughs) all of them. What what our parents are doing. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's, uh, I don't read too much into it, but I I do think it's neat. Um, I don't know if, are you guys planning like a group party thing? Are we going to go to like Dave and Buster's or? Please? Can we, Dad? <laughs> I went for the first time recently with my
0: daughter and uh it was pretty fun. Yeah. In the bathroom, the urinals let you play a little game with your pee stream. <laughs> That's a fact. You went to the one here? Yeah. yeah. Wait, uh, what? Yeah, so like you pee in the the standing urinal or whatever, and there's like a little screen at the top that lets you guide ducks or, or, or shoot ducks or something with your pee. <laughs> It's Wait. There's a sensor in the in the wow. in the toilet, and it it controls what happens on the screen. Somebody it's designed very, that. It's very strange. Oh wow! Yeah. Somebody. Not that, that that's like the, my primary takeaway from David Buster. Is there
2: a game for number two? Like bombs you're dropping? Oh, or I don't know. I I don't Guys, know. that's
0: inappropriate. We're a family show. <laughs> Let's cross the line there.
1: <laughs> I like how we made you the one who crossed the line. I'm Darn sorry, it. that's unfair, man. Uh, but so we're going to we're going to head out. We have some. um we have some things in the works. We have some plans uh, that do not involve making video games for urinals, but are still kind of cool. And uh, let's see what what else, Matt. Do we have any teasers, any spoilers? I
2: do want to just announce that if you are not already looking for us on Periscope mm-hmm. or VR Twitter account, just checking us out every once in a while, we're gonna start doing that. Quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And you might see Super Producer Noel. You might see some friends from How Stuff Works on that feed. You really never know what you're gonna you're see. You're gonna
1: see some weird stuff. There's
2: there gonna be point. weird things. Scully's gonna get involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. We like to hang out in that infinite darkness. Sometimes <laughs> things just come out to play with us.
1: Right. Yeah, the abyss stares back at you, right? Mm-hmm. Or stares into you, however it goes. Definitely is quite acquainted with us. Yeah, thank you for bringing up the Periscope thing. We're definitely going to do that. We're also going to continue this series on unsolved crimes for a little while. Uh, we won't... We we'll won't force it, but we've got some more stuff we'd like to look into, and that means even more importantly, that we would like to hear from you what are some of your favorite obscure, unsolved, bizarre crimes. They don't have to be murders, uh, they don't have to be super well known. It could be something in your neck of the woods. We'd like to yeah. check it out. So uh find us on Facebook and Twitter. We're conspiracy stuff at those. And you can also write to us directly. We have an email address and everything. Conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com
2: Goodbye, John Stewart.
0: For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena visit YouTube.com slash ConspiracyStuff You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle
1: at ConspiracyStuff